the human eye is amazing. I don't know if you ever thought about this, what the eye does. And I'm sure someone that knows a lot more about science than me is going to correct me on things. But, but simply put, how does the eye work? When I see something, simply put, light rays are reflecting off of the object that I'm looking at and going in. And the cornea is taking those light rays, which is this transparent part of your eye, is taking those light rays in and producing an image. But to go a little bit deeper, you see you got this pupil right in the middle that, that's letting light in, which is why when you're in a dark room, uh, the, the, the pupil gets bigger. When you flip the lights on, it gets, it's like, oh, I can't see because it has to get has to get smaller. And the iris is the colored part that is that is uh, making that pupil get larger or smaller. And so as light reflects off of things and going into your eye, it travels to the back, which you ha- where you have the retina. And in the back, there's this thin layer of, of tissue which contains millions of, of light sensing cells. We call them cones and rods because of the way they're, the way they're shaped, basically. And, and that image is produced in the back. I think it's upside down from what I understand, which is why you're all sitting on the ceiling right now, actually. Um, that's how we did it. But, but the good news is uh, the retina sends that image up to your brain, and your brain does the right thing with it, and you see an image with your eyes. They are amazing things that let light in off of the object that you're looking at to produce the image. Keep that in mind as we look at today's text. Would you turn to Luke chapter 11? Luke chapter 11. And we're going to take you to uh, verse 29. We'll actually start in 33 to begin with. Verse 33. Maybe some of you have read this and scratched your heads and said, what in the world does that mean? Um, in this series on light, I'd like to think of this message as kind of part two. Last week was, you know, how do I see the darkness in the people around me, the people that I love that I'm praying for to receive Christ? And today is more like, what about the darkness in me? What's going on with that? What do I do with that? Okay, so this is uh, Luke 11, verse 33. Jesus says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. When they're bad, your body is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within within your body is, uh, sorry, what, what did I go? That the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of a lamp shines on you. Now, uh, again, I think in first looking at that text, you might go, well, what's going on here? You know, the eyes, the lamp of the body. And if you have a lamp, you shouldn't put it under a, 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 you know, a basket. That doesn't make any sense. And so when you first read this, you go, what, what's the connection here? I, I don't get what's going on because if my eye is a lamp and the lamp shouldn't be under the basket, that doesn't make any sense, you know. So what's going on here? And I think the only way to understand what Jesus says is to look at it as there's two lamps going on here. He's talking about two different lamps. There's the first lamp in verse 33 and then the lamp that's your eye in, in the verses following. So what I want to do is, is talk about that, and I'm going to bring some lamps out. So if you'll bear with me for just one moment, 
to bring my lamps out here and we'll illustrate that there are indeed two. Okay? And as you're waiting for me to set this up, if you would put your attention on the verses preceding what Jesus says about the lamps. And we're going to try to figure out what is this lamp number one talking about? Lamp number one. So I think what you got to do is you got to look at the verses leading up to it. And so if you look at like verse 29, it says, As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. Now, I think this helps us understand this first lamp. No one lights a lamp and puts it in its place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, you put it on a stand so you may see the light. Okay? What's this first lamp? Well, if I take the sign of Jonah and the Queen of the South coming to visit Solomon, here's what we're starting to add up. You know the story of Jonah, right? God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, no way. I'm going to get in a boat and go the opposite way. Big whale comes up, swallows Jonah. Jonah's like, okay, I get it. I'll do what you say. Three days he's in the whale, just like Jesus is buried three days. But that's not my main point. Spits up Jonah. Jonah goes to Nineveh and tells those dirty fish slappers to repent. Veggie tales. It's veggie tales. Finally found out their great sin. And, and they do repent. They do listen to Jonah, much to Jonah's disgust. They listen to him and they do repent. And so you have in Jonah this, this idea of somebody that is on mission and has a message. Jonah has a mission and a message. And he says, you guys need to repent because God's going to wipe you out. And they say, oh, we're going to turn to God and repent. Okay? Now, queen of, the queen of the south is the queen that visited Solomon because you heard how wise he was. Remember Solomon? God said, I'm going to give you anything you want. And Solomon said, I need wisdom to govern my kingdom. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you that and I'm going to make you rich and well-known, and everything else you didn't ask for, I'm going to add to you. And so the Queen of the South came to visit Solomon just to hear his incredible wisdom. And Jesus says, now one that's greater than Solomon is here. So what is the first lamp? <clears throat> I think the first lamp is the mission and message of Jesus. I think it's the mission and the message of Jesus. So let me light this lamp here. Kids, don't do this at home. Get your parents out. There we go. Kids, you know, when the electricity goes out, you'd be happy to have one of these. Right? I, I know, you don't normally, don't normally use them, but, right? It's an oil-burning lamp. I think this is... The mission and message of Jesus. Jesus is like Jonah. He comes with a, on a mission to save people. And he has a message. And so if you connect that with what we just read about the lamp, nobody hides a lamp. You're going to put it in a prominent place where everyone can enjoy its light. That's what you do with a lamp. And so Jesus says, 
I didn't come in here and, and like try to hide the message of salvation. I want to prominently display it for the world so that everyone can see its light. And so one of the awesome things, one of the awesome things about Christmas is that we have a, a time of the year that is just devoted to thinking about Jesus, to talking about Him, to, to prominently displaying Him in our life. Are we, are we too burning too bright here? There we go. How's that? Is that better? There we go. Um, we have this time of year where Christ is prominently displayed, talked about. People go to church and they, and they want to hear something. And this is the light that is put where everyone can see it, where everyone can notice it, and we're part of that. Okay. What's the second lamp? Well, the second lamp is about your eyes. So as I'm reading this, I'm going, okay, what's this about? My eyes. Um, well, it says, my eye is the lamp of the body. When my eyes are good, my body's full of light. When my eyes are bad, the body's full of darkness. So see it to it, and the light within you is not darkness. Okay? So he's saying, your eye, it, it's this thing that takes in light. But it's really a metaphor for the heart. It's a metaphor for the heart. Your eye is like your heart. It, it, it perceives things. It desires things. It wants things. That's your heart. And, and, and when your heart is drawn to the light and wants the light and wants to be in the light, that's a good eye. When it's drawn to darkness, darkness can overtake it. It can fill it up. It, it can mess it up. So, so your eye is what you're looking at. It's what you're perceiving. So when I see something, I start thinking about what I'm looking at. If I notice somebody crying over here, I start to wonder, why is she crying? What's going on over there? If I notice someone over here who's angry, I'm thinking, well, I just, I just saw this. What's going on there? Or, or if I'm burning the lamp too, way, way too high, you go, what's going on there? I noticed that. I'm, th- I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it. So your eye is, is like your perception. It's your heart. What are you thinking about? What are you perceiving? How do you see things? Now, um, Jesus told a parable. And it goes something like this. There was a guy who needed workers for the fields as a boss. And so he hired workers early in the morning. And they started to work. And then he hired workers middle of the day. And they came to work. And then he hired workers towards the end of the day. Maybe a few hours left in the day. And they came to work in the fields. And in that society, you had to pay your workers at the end of the day because you needed to provide for their family. You pay all your workers in the day. And what happened was the master gave everybody the same amount of wages. They gave them a full day's wages. So if you came at midday, you got the same as the guys who came in the morning. And if you came with two hours to go, you got the full day's wages. And of course, the guys who came at the beginning of the day started grumbling. What's up with this? We, we get the same wages as the guys who worked a couple hours. We bore the brunt of the hard work, the heat of the day. And these guys come in at the end and they get all this. And Jesus says something very interesting as the master. He says, the master says, is your eye bad because I'm good? That's literally what it says. Probably the NIV probably smooths it out a little bit. But but literally Jesus says, is your eye bad because I'm good? And I think the idea is, God is gracious. He gives you what you don't deserve. And if you started work two hours before the end of the day, he gave you the full day. That's a gracious, 
boss. That's a wealthy boss to be able to do that. And God has all the resources of grace and he just gives it out. You don't deserve it, but he gives it. Okay? So uh, Jesus says, is your eye bad? He says, I'm good. I'm, I'm a gracious God. I'm giving grace. Even for people who come in at the end of their life, you know, and receive Christ, it's okay. The grace is there. And I think there's other points about Jews and Gentiles. I'm not going to get into that right now, though. But my point is this. When you have a bad eye, you're not seeing God properly. You're not perceiving things correctly. Your eye is bad, but God is still good. And it makes me wonder how much do we implicate God in, in, in how we think our life is going, and really we have the bad perception. You ever wonder that? I'm blaming God for something, but I'm the one that's not seeing what's really going on. It's my eyes that are bad, not Him. It's not my main point. Um, the second lamp then, get my second lamp out here. The second lamp is the spiritual perception of your heart. The spiritual perception of your heart. Oh, I am totally going to unplug this garland. I didn't know that was plugged in this morning. Oh, terrible. All right. Ruining Christmas. All right. Spiritual perception of your heart. Now, I see two lamps. One is God's message and mission. And one is how do I perceive things? How am I taking things in? How do I understand things? I see here a huge warning about sin in your life, my life. The darkness of sin. And what does it do to the light, to my eyes, to my perception? So let me make three comments on our eyes and see if we can kind of make this clearer. Number one, I think Jesus is getting at this, that the darkness can be so dangerous. Look at what he says here. Verse 34, your eyes are a lamp of the body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eyes are bad, your body is also full of darkness. Full of darkness. There's darkness everywhere. So, so darkness is not this little thing that I can play with. It's not this sin that I, I mean, you know that proverb that says, can a man scoop fire in his lap and not be burned? I mean, that, that's the idea. It's not that I can have this private area of my life that I, I can engage in darkness and not have it impact all the rest around me. It's full of darkness. It's not this little speck of darkness. Your body becomes full of darkness because I'm not dealing with the sin. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we all sin. I, I understand that. But, but when left unattended and I let that dark thing just stay there, it starts filling up my life. And I can't contain it. I can't control it. It's full, according to what Jesus says here. I think another way of understanding this is in the next passage Jesus talks about, if you look at uh, verse 37. Verse 37 says, When Jesus finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noting, noticing Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. My mom would not like that. She always wanted me to wash my hands before a meal. Sorry, Mom. Um, Jesus didn't wash his hands before the meal. Uh, then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. So there's always the ability for me 
to look like light on the outside, but on the inside have darkness. I can fool people for a while, but eventually the darkness gets so full that it's going to come out. People are going to see it. It's going to happen. I can't contain it. So darkness is dangerous. I think that's one thing Jesus is telling us. Number two, if you look at this again, therefore, if your whole body is full of light, this is verse 36, and no part of it is dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of a lamp shines on you. So, darkness impacts the light shining from my life. If darkness impacts my light shining on other people, then the darkness impacts the brightness of my ability to share Christ with people. I want people to see Jesus in me. You want people to see Jesus in you. But the darkness affects your ability to reach people in Christ's name. I, I realize that none of us are sinless, right? I mean, we, we all kind of, I know we all come at this like, People are going to see me mess up. And they will. They need to see you apologize when you mess up, right? They need to see you say, I'm not perfect. But people also notice when you have blatant sin that you don't deal with. And you just let it stay there. And you act like everybody else around you and do the same thing. They notice that too. You're just like us. And that impacts your brightness of the gospel in your life. Your ability to reach them with the gospel of Christ. When they see hypocrisy in your life, the darkness impacts that. When I don't root out the sin in my life, it affects my witness to other people. Number three. I think this was the most frightening idea to me in in the whole passage. Verse 35. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. It's very possible that the light that I think is light is actually darkness. And what I'm, what I'm thinking is light is not light at all. Not light at all. It's possible for a person, a Christian, to believe things, be convicted about things, proclaim things to be true, and it to be utter darkness. Sometimes I hear believers sharing their opinions on this or that and writing articles on this and blogs on that. And they're passionately sharing what we should all agree with and believe and practice. But I don't know if that comes out of the Scripture at all. And I'm not saying every article has to be full of verses everywhere. In some sense, I need to compare the Scripture to what I'm reading. I need to do that work myself. But if if what you believe is not grounded in Scripture, what's it grounded in? Let me put it like this. If you never find yourself in Jonah's shoes, where God sends you on on a mission with a message, and you're like, I don't want to. Maybe you're just doing what you want to do all the time. Maybe you're on the ship going another direction and calling it light. Right? Maybe 
if the Bible never disagrees with you, maybe what you're believing is darkness. Because I know this book is going to challenge the way I think. It's going to change the way I think as I, as I submit to it. It's going to change darkness to light. And so I think this might be the scariest one for me. What if what I think is light, the scripture actually calls darkness, and I'm deluding myself into thinking I'm right, and this, this book, this word of God is telling me different. What do I do with that? Um, you ever notice in uh, you ever notice in uh, scary movies? You ever watch those? Uh, I, I don't like horror movies at all. But sometimes you watch a movie that's kind of like like a thriller, you know, and, and, and like people can play tricks on you with the camera, right? Like sometimes the thing's like out of focus, you know, and there's like something, someone walks across the screen really fast. You're like, well, what was that? You know, and, and, and you're kind of like your nerves are getting up, you know, or, or that thing right behind them and you can't really see behind, right? And then, and then it kind of jumps out. I hate it when there's music with it, though. You hate that? Like the music makes me jump because it's loud, you know? I'd rather just have the the image, you know, whatever it was, like play the trick on me. And the reality is, if I'm not in the light, my eyes are going to play tricks on me. I'm going to think I'm seeing things my way correctly when I'm not really right at all. And we've all had our eyes play tricks on us. We all thought we saw something that wasn't really there. So what would we do with this? What should we do with this teaching on light and darkness? Jesus has one command here. Let me find it. Do you see it? It's verse 35. One command. Uh, NIV kind of that doesn't bring out the command part of it very well. But, but it's 35 at the beginning. See to it. See to it. Uh, the Greek word is uh, skapeo. Skapeo. See to it. Skapeo. Now, skapeo means <clears throat> to look for something, to notice something, to keep your eyes on something. And, and see the outward that has the parentheses around it? Sometimes, it, I just copied this out of the, the Greek lexicon, by the way. I, I didn't come up with this. But sometimes the idea is, look out, you know, like watch out. So I kind of look at it as like when you're when you're taking your kids driving, you know, and for like the very first time, right? You get in the car, and what you want to do as a parent is help them notice everything. Are you looking in your mirrors? Are you looking now? Are you looking again? Check your mirrors. Uh, did you look to make sure your seatbelt's on? Uh, did you when, when you're turning right and that person thinks they can turn left, even though they can't? I mean, it just happened to me the other day. You know, like I'm turning right. I got the right of way and the person turns left at the light. No, you yield to the person turning right, right? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I, I can't just drive my car. I got to help drive their car. I, I, I got to watch out what the other driver's doing. There's so much to notice when you're first learning to drive and you still got to notice even when you're a veteran driver. And so the idea is normally, I think, as a parent, you don't want to get in the car and go like, Watch out for that person crossing the street. Uh, watch out, they're turning here. Like, look out. Like, do uh, your seatbelt on. What are you doing? You know, like, like you don't do that. Otherwise, your kid will never drive with you again. You know, it will. They'll never go again. You'll scare them. You'll freak them out. It'll never happen again. But if there's a true emergency, 
then you do want to be a little bit, a little elevated a little bit, right? Like if they're literally going to hit somebody, you ought to, you shouldn't be like, oh, watch out, you're about to hit that nice lady crossing the street. Oh, you did. Sorry. You know, it's just, you know, so, so, scapeo is normally like, I, I got to keep my eyes on things. I got to notice things. It, it, it's not like this. Oh, 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 it's not like that. But occasionally you put the out in it. Like, look out, because occasionally it is dangerous. Occasionally it is red alert. It's critical right now. You see? Okay. Hopefully we made that Greek word make a little bit of sense. Um, it, watch out. Be careful. See to it. Take heed. Th- those kind of ideas. And and the only way I know how to tell you to do this is. Uh, it, it, it's the way you reflect on what's going on in your heart. Let me say it like this. Jesus gave this same teaching in another context in Matthew. If we can pull up the Matthew passage. Now, look. Jesus isn't plagiarizing himself. He's teaching. He, he, he's a traveling rabbi, you know? And, and so he's going to repeat teachings in different contexts. And so we can often gain insight into like Jesus said it when he was given the sign of Jonah. And Jesus said it with this in mind. Okay, so take a look at this. You all know this. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, which is kind of like the eye, remember? For there your heart will be also. Next passage. Next verses. And then Jesus says this. The eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, here's the danger again, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If what I think is light is actually darkness, it's terrible. Next verse. And then he goes back to the money thing. No one can serve two masters. They'll hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Um, you could, sorry, uh, you could take those off. That's my explanatory notes for myself. How'd they get in there? Um, so th- the idea is God knows we need money. He, he knows that's important to us. We've got to live with money. But, but the idea is, what if I set my eye on money? What if I treasure money more than Christ? Then Jesus says, your whole body will be full of darkness if you let in that love of money. It fills up your whole life. Uncontrollable, dangerous. Um, so I think, with all that said, the question becomes, um, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What do you notice from day to day? notice how much stuff they have? Do you notice how well-liked she is? Do you notice things on your screen that should not even be there? What do you notice? What do you look at? You open that paycheck and get that incredible satisfaction that you have done this, but you just need more to be happy. What do you notice? 
Because whatever you're keeping your eyes on, that's what's going into your heart. If I keep my eyes on Christ and treasure Him above all else, that keeps everything else in perspective for me. How do I scapeo? I gotta keep a close eye on my heart. I gotta submit my heart to the lamp of God's Word. Maybe it's repenting of sin that I haven't dealt with. I'm praying for an undivided heart that would be totally devoted to Christ. That is how you scapeo. What are you paying attention to? What captures your affections? What are you looking at? My prayer is for you that you would look at Christ and keep your eyes focused on Him. What is He doing? What's He up to? What is His mission? What is His message? And then step into it and shine that light. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If uh, if light is what you need this morning, if light is what you lack, and in particular we're talking about the light of Christ's salvation, His saving work, saving you from your sins by His death on the cross, and you're invited to step into that light this morning, would you pray something, something like this in your heart? Lord Jesus, my life is full of darkness. My eyes have looked at things that are worthless compared to you. You are the treasure. And you're the treasure that I want in my life. The treasure that I would follow. Here all this time I've realized my eyes are bad because you're good. But now I just want to keep my eyes on you and follow you all the rest of my days. Would you forgive me of my sins and save me from them? Would you change my darkness to light? And then give me your mission to tell other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And with your head down.